Hello, and thank you for listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. How do you think you stack up against the huge percentage of the American population that is financially illiterate and lacks basic skills in the areas of doing calculations, debt management, and asset building? Well, the American College recently surveyed retirees and pre-retirees with at least $100,000 in household assets, not including their primary residence, and discovered that only 20% of them could even pass the multiple-choice five-question financial quiz, and not a single one scored an A on the test. The Securities and Exchange Commission reports that investors have a weak grasp of elementary financial concepts and lack critical knowledge of ways to avoid investment fraud. Could you be one of so many Americans who are underinformed or even misinformed about your investments and retirement plans? What can you do to overcome this problem? Well, our guest today, Pamela Yellen, New York Times bestselling author behind the life-changing system, Bank on Yourself, and the creator of the Financial IQ Quiz, which identifies key weaknesses and helps investors take control of their financial future. Welcome to the show, Pamela. It's my pleasure, Teresa. So for a complete disclosure, um, most of our listeners know that I am a bank on yourself authorized advisor. And so, yes, I totally uh, am aware of this information and we work together um, as far as you um, promoting the concept that is the area of uh, expertise that I work with and I share with my, my clients. Um, and I have found it's amazing to me, and we're not talking about just uh, lower income people. We are talking about middle America and wealthy people who are financially illiterate. How can that be? Well, where are we going to learn financial literacy? I mean, there's no courses on it in most schools. I know there was no course on it when I was growing up. It turns out that a lot of us learn what we know about money and finances from our own families who also had no training. And we also learn about it from reading the media. And the media, basically the financial media, is controlled by Wall Street. Do you think they're going to tell you what you really need to know about money and finances? Or do you think they're just going to tell you what they think you need to know to buy more stocks and mutual funds and basically buy into the whole Wall Street myth that you have to risk your money in order to get any kind of substantial growth. Well, Pamela, I went to college and got a degree in finance. And I probably would be one of those illiterate um, individuals that wouldn't score very well on the quiz because they really d- didn't teach us the truth about money, right? It was all geared towards Wall Street, and Wall Street doesn't want people to know the truth, and that's that's the reality. 
Well, it, it's, a, it's exactly the truth, Teresa. And one of the questions I like to ask is, you know, a lot of us will think, oh, no, no, that could never happen to us. Investment fraud is not going to happen to us. But remember Bernie Madoff? Mm. And do you remember that the list of people who got snookered by the Bernie Madoff pyramid scheme reads like a who's who of the rich, famous, and powerful. These were people that also had the very best, most expensive advisors that money can buy to supposedly protect them, yet they still got snookered. I mean, Steven Spielberg was one of the ones that got, you know, got snookered by that. I saw an expose on the Bernie Madoff fiasco, and there was a whistleblower who for years was trying to get the attention of so many people, including the SEC, and they put a blind eye to it. They didn't want to believe it. So Absolutely. it's crazy. So it's not, you know, just middle America or lower income. Everybody, I think. Everybody. Yep, Everybody. everybody. And even the experts, we've had a number of financial experts and financial gurus take the quiz, and the bottom line is that most of them flunked it. And the statistics right now, with over 15,000 people having taken the quiz, that only 2% got an A, 2% got a B, 77% flat out flunked it, 77%, and the average score is only 46%. And the thing is that people are taking the time to go through the questions. They're spending a fair amount of time because they are learning things and they're realizing that these are questions that apply to them and that can really that are important for them to know and they're going they're sitting there going, "Wow, I guess I really should know that, but I don't." And you know, it, what they say if you're, you know, if you I mean, if you don't know what's going on, then you're gonna you can't make wise financial decisions. You're just gonna be shooting from the hip, and that unfortunately is what most people are doing. And really, it's not their fault. It's exactly what you just said, Teresa. It's not their fault because they've been brainwashed into basically ignoring the important the important facts and the important things about being financially literate. And instead, buying in to what Wall Street and the financial gurus are teaching them, and they're all making a lot of money on people based on them buying into that. I mean, one of the things I always say, and it is so true, and that is that the only thing that Wall Street guarantees is that they're going to get paid whether we win or lose. So it's amazing to me in this age and time of information overload, right? We've got the talking heads on TV talking about, you know, finances and money and Wall Street. We've got all these cable channels just dedicated to Wall Street. We've got internet information. We've got magazines. We've got radio shows. It's overwhelming, and most people just you know, pack it in, and they just say, whatever they tell me to do is what I'll do. Or worse yet, they start trusting people. Like, for example, one of the biggest mistakes that people make is that they assume that because their employer offers 
their HR department has, you know, endorsed and offers a 401k, that it must be a good thing. And after all, the 401k was authorized by Congress. You know, Congress, and, and so people figure, well, it must be a good thing. It must be in my best interest. But there's a lot of downsides about 401ks that people don't know and don't discover until it's too late. It's all, people don't usually discover, uh, for example, the you know the, the downsides, for, like the fact that you lock your money up in a 401k when you put it in there. Just try taking it out the when, when and how you want it because they are going to control when you can take your money out, how much you can take, when you must start taking your money out, how much you can borrow, when and how you must pay it back. And if you don't meet all of these requirements, you're going to pay taxes and a penalty. And the penalties are, you know, it's like it's the question that people have asked me is, wait a minute, are you telling me I need to get permission to use my own money? And the answer is absolutely yes. There are more strings attached to these plans than a puppet. And actually, Teresa, that's a that's a really good one that I'd like I'd like to bring up. Um, the, there, I wanted of the twenty questions in the quiz. I want to mention the one that most people got right. And I, and because that to me is extremely interesting, and I'll, I'll explain why in a minute. The question that most people got right is most people know that you will have to pay, in most cases, income taxes and a penalty if you take distributions from a 401k or an IRA or an, another tax-deferred retirement plan before your age 59 and a half. So that was the question that most people got right. But people don't follow. They basically, they know the answer, but they don't act on it because in the last year that statistics are available, the IRS took in $57 billion, Mm. $57 billion in penalties from people who took early distributions they weren't supposed to take from their 401k. That's a staggering number. That's huge. Yeah, so, so they know it on the one hand, but they don't act on it. And that to me is, well, it's scary. It is very scary because I think all of Wall Street and, and their teaching and their programming is all about getting you from where you are today to retirement and then retirement to dead. And really, in whose best interest is that thinking? Well, yes. Not, exactly. not in the individuals, right? No. Nope. And not in nope. the families because... Mm-hmm. They're either saving money, having enough money in their savings or checking account to cover uh, basic expenses, and then saving the rest. What they're actually doing is investing the rest, and with investing, there's risk. But they're not taught to have dollars outside of investments that they can access, which is why they have to go to their retirement plans when they have an emergency or they lose their job or they have an illness Mm -hmm. or disability. And they end yes. up paying the $57 billion in penalties. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And it's just ridiculous that you should have to ask permission 
to use your own money, and then when, if, if you're fortunate enough to be able to get it, then there's all kinds of rules and restrictions. It's interesting. Uh, the question that most people got right was about the penalties uh, and taxes that they have to pay if they pull out their money before they're 59 and a half. But I have to ask you, what is the question on the financial IQ quiz that most people get wrong? All right, this is another good one. Uh, The question is, if you made a $10,000 investment in gold in 1802, now that's over 200 years ago, what would it be worth today after adjusting for inflation? So I'll repeat that. You made a $10,000 investment in gold in 1802, over 200 years ago. What would it be worth today after adjusting for inflation? And on the quiz, we, we have four choices. The first is $26,000. The second is $132,000. The third is $436,000. And the fourth is $1.2 million. So we've got $26,132,000, $436,000, or $1.2 million. And most people guess that it's got to be somewhere maybe around that $436,000 or maybe even up $1.2 million. And the shocking reality is that it's only $26,000. No Oh, my goodness. This is going to cut really deep to the heart of those gold bugs. It Well, yeah. And, you know, that's the thing is they, they talk to the people. I hear from people and they just say, you know, what if the dollar crashes? I want to have, I want to have these, uh, you know, these, I want to have gold. And then answer me this. Are you going to take your bar of gold into a grocery store and ask them to make change? They just don't think about these things. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. But that's a great question because the perception is, even if you weren't a gold bug, right? 1802, over 200 years ago, you bought $10,000 worth of gold, certainly, right? Yeah, Um, it's got to be worth a lot. It's got to be worth a lot. Right. And you adjusted for inflation. Yes. Yes. Right. So the real return was virtually nothing. The real return after after adjusting for inflation was virtually nothing. It basically, it's not quite as bad as putting it in your mattress, but close. Wow. That's amazing. Well, we were talking about um, all the, the vast amount of information out there that is really geared towards Wall Street. And Pamela, I've got a personal story with one of my clients who you know, um, who was invited to speak on Fox Business News. Do you remember the story? Maybe not. You'll remember in just just a couple minutes. And he was invited to speak about bank on yourself. Yes, I do remember that now. And when he got to the show, they basically told him, you can't talk about bank on yourself. But they loved his story because he's Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur, business owner, had an amazing story of rags to riches to rags to riches. And thankfully now he's in the rich category. And um, I remember watching the show live and all of the commercials during that hour, because we didn't know exactly when his, his part was going to air, was on Wall Street and pharmaceutical mm-hmm. ads, right? Um, and yep. 
It just was painfully obvious, even though it was before, this was a great example of how the advertising influences the information and the programming. And if you watch any one of the shows, it's not just Fox Business News, right? But any one of the shows on TV, the commercials are either for gold and silver or for Wall Street. Exactly, exactly. And I'll tell you a story I just had happen to me, and and that is that uh, I for, Forbes, the website Forbes, found out it was was actually with my media, my PR team uh, had been promoting the financial IQ quiz, and there was a columnist at Forbes who got very very excited about it, and the first thing she asked is, could she? actually reprint the questions and the answers in her column. And we told her what she could do and under what circumstances and so on. But then she came back and she said, you know, instead of that, I'd like to do a question and answer with you. And she created 10 questions and she asked me to answer them in writing. And the questions showed that she truly knew the direction that I go, that I'm a contrarian thinker and that I am like an advocate for consumers and for investors. And she wanted me to talk about the scams that, you know, of mutual funds companies and the scams related to 401Ks and, and how should investors protect themselves. And so I answered all the questions, and I never, ever mentioned bank on yourself. She asked, this is not about what you do. In your, you know, your other, your real life, we just want to educate people, so don't, you know, it's not to promote you. So I never mentioned bank on yourself at all. I just answered the question, and I gave very, very impeccable sources for each statement that I made, like Morningstar and the Securities and Exchange Commission and so on. Two days later, after getting it and reading it, she came back and said, hmm... I don't think I can publish this. It's just too controversial. And uh, so, you know, that's that's the establishment. Even when they come close to thinking, you know, maybe it would be okay to tell people the truth, they chicken out. Of course they do. Where are they getting their revenue from? Right? <laughs> I, I mean, look at Forbes magazine. <laughs> I know. Forbes online. It, you know, who is paying their advertising? Who is writing, exactly. is paying for their paychecks, right? As a contrarian thinker and an advocate for consumers and investors, you are in very good company. John Bogle, who many of our listeners know, was the um, founder of Vanguard and also uh, considered to be the father of the Index Mutual Fund. And he also is a contrarian thinker and a consumer advocate so much that he shook up the mutual fund industry. Right. What can you share about John Bogle? Oh, I love John Bogle. (laughs) You know, basically, you know, he, and I've quoted him in my book and on my website, and basically John Bogle has talked about how the mutual fund industry degenerated to profit just the mutual fund companies and not the individuals in them. And he talks about in some situations where the fees and the taxes and the other costs of investing in in funds will take up to 80% of your return, 80% of everything, everything you put in and of your return, 80%. And that's obscene. It's absolutely obscene. And, you know, 
we found, I did an expose not too long ago, uh, and I, the expose, what I did is I looked at some of the biggest mutual fund, uh, the mutual, biggest mutual funds that are out there right now. In other words, they have the most amount of money in them right now. And specifically, I was looking at funds that are indexed funds, which passively track a specific index. In this case, they were tracking the S&P 500. Those are very popular funds. And this is astonishing, but because most people assume, and this is, of course, one of the questions that I answered in the, in the article t- with Forbes, I, I talked about how uh, people assume that because it's a, a, an index fund that maybe tracks the S&P 500 or whatever it's tracking, that it's very low cost because the costs compound against you over time and can take a substantial bite out of your money. And what I actually found an S&P 500 index fund that would take 32% of your money mm. over 30 years. An index fund that requires no active management. It's not rocket science. A monkey could do it. Crazy. Crazy. Isn't it? It is. And it's not Pamela Yellen saying this. It's John no. Bogle, founder <laughs> of the the indexed mutual fund right correct so absolutely anybody can google john bogle youtube pbs did an amazing expose as well on the retirement plans and 401ks featuring john bogle um so he's thank god he was a maverick and really tried to do right with starting uh the vanguard funds um but today, um, he's still speaking out against the industry, and they don't like him. He's no, they don't. Yeah. They don't. I actually decided not to quote him in my Forbes article because I knew that wouldn't. <laughs> 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 but I still got banned. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, hey, let, they like to get paid over there at Forbes. Oh, they do. They do. I would like to cover another question in the financial IQ quiz that most people got wrong. Sure. All right. The top-performing mutual fund of the last decade enjoyed an 18% annual return. What annual return did the fund's typical investors actually receive? All right. So this was according to Morningstar. The top mutual fund of the past decade got 18% average annual return for 10 years. But my question is, what did the investor in that fund receive? And you can choose from the first uh, answer, 17% after fees, or the second answer is 14%. The third answer is they lost an average of 11% per year. And the fourth answer is 8% due to inflation, taxes, and fees. So again, the fund made 18% a year. Did the investor get 17% because of the fees? 14%, 14%, did they lose an average of 11% per year, or did they make 8% due to inflation, taxes, and fees? And they, that's another one that almost everyone got wrong. And the answer is that they lost an average of 11% every year for 10 years. Yet the fund perspective 
was advertising an 18% annual return. And, of course, the logical question is, what? How is that possible? Right. How is that possible? Exactly. Well, the reason it's possible is that mutual fund companies are legally required to advertise only the results of what they call buy and hold investors. So that means it can only report the, the uh, results of a hypothetical investor who bought the fund on the very first day of the period in question and held on to it until the very last day of the period in question. And they did that no matter how wild the ride got. Well, during the decade, the, wide got, the, the, the ride got pretty darn wild, and almost no one was able to hold on to it. And so, that, in other words, the results reported in mutual fund prospectuses are mythical. There are no investors who are actually buying the fund on the first day and holding it to the last day. And, in fact, the average mutual fund today is only hold for five years, held for five years or less. Now, Pamela, yes. this is not the world according to Pamela Yellen, right? Who are That's your correct. sources regarding this? Oh, that is, that's according to Morningstar. Morningstar. Okay. Yes. And Morningstar, Morningstar, which, you know, Wall Street worships Morningstar. Yes, exactly. So it's their own. It's their own source. And I think one of the things you do so very well is share your resources and source everything you put out there. And actually, you have to, right? You've been doing this for a very long time now, and Lord knows you would have been shot down a long time ago if you didn't have sources, third-party sources. You're not making well, you know this what? stuff up. No, but it doesn't matter. I get shot down anyway. That's why Forbes received <laughs> after they saw right. the facts right. and they saw how well-documented they were. They were like, oh, we can't publish this. Right. This is pulling a rug out from other underneath us, even if it's our own sources, the, the ones we worship. Right, right. So, you know, that's why, you know, I, the pioneers are the, always the ones with the arrows in their back, and I have a lot of arrow holes in the back. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but we don't focus on those holes. We don't focus on those arrows because we do have a huge following, that have realized the truth and the reality of the investment world and have committed to taking control of their finances. And that's using the bank on yourself system. Um, And why don't you speak about the whole bank on yourself method and how it helps people? Well, bank finding... And, and it was a discovery process for me, but finding the concept that I call bank on yourself was a process that I spent many years uh, because, really, my husband and I started investing in 1987, and we were doing all the right things. They kept telling us that we were supposed to do, and we never came anywhere close to getting the kind of returns that they kept saying you should be able to get. So... Uh, we, I started investigating because I've been a business building consultant to financial advisors for 25 years now, 
and I've, I have worked with over 40,000 financial advisors. So they all keep coming to me with their best strategies, and they would say, Pamela, would you take a look at this strategy? I think this, is one, this one's the holy grail of wealth-building strategies. I know it, and I want you to look at it because I figure, I think, first of all, they wanted me to buy whatever it was they were selling, but the other thing is that they wanted my help marketing this. And I wasn't going to market anything that I could didn't believe in, that I, I didn't believe was what it claimed to be. So I started investigating all these strategies, and I ultimately investigated more than 450 different financial products and strategies. And unfortunately, I discovered that most of them weren't even mm. worth the paper they were printed on. And really, out of 450, only a handful even passed my due diligence tests. And out of those, even several of those turned out to be wealth killers. One of them cost us every penny we put into it and then some. And Mm. that was a six-figure sum. So I've learned all of this the hard way. But about 12, 13 years ago, 14 years ago, uh, one of my advisor's clients came to me and he said, Pamela, have you ever heard about this? And I had not, and I started investigating it. And it, it is what I now term bank on yourself, and it's been around for 160 years, and it's never had a losing year in 160 years, and it is a supercharged, specially designed type of dividend-paying whole life insurance, but definitely not the kind of whole life insurance that Susie Orman and Dave Ramsey and others like to trash. Uh, as, as you know, Teresa, of course, just educating your listeners, um, these policies have riders or options added onto them that make your cash value, your equity in the policy grow significantly faster than they would in a traditional policy. And that helps overcome one of the objections the most people have about whole life. And the other objection they have is that when that the advisors basically are making too much commission, you know, um, and and it is a high in a traditional whole life policy, the advisor might get more, you know, a hundred percent of the first year premium or more. Um, the difference is a bank on yourself advisor like yourself has agreed to accept about a seventy percent commission pay cut on average, to design the policy so that they benefit the client and so that the cash value grows significantly faster. And the, the, the thing is, you know, I, I, I say there's only 200 advisors that have qualified in all of the United States and Canada, and it's still we're still right around 200. And you're right up there, Teresa, you're actually, you're probably... The, the best in the country, and I'm not saying that because you're interviewing me, but because it's true. <laughs> I mean, the truth is that I, I refer my own family wow. to you, so I must think you're, you're doing something right. Thank you. So, because I'm not a financial advisor, I'm an educator. But, you know, the, the reality is that when a lot of advisors hear about this, they don't want to hear any more because they're not willing to give up 70% of their commission. And that's a shame, but unfortunately, then what they do is they badmouth the concept and they just say, well, you know, this couldn't be and it doesn't work the way they say they, that they don't want their clients to know that this is a fabulous way to grow wealth and to become your own source of financing and to have 
financial peace of mind for life. And Pamela, I get asked all the time, um, why would I want as an advisor to sell this if I'm taking such a huge cut in commissions, right? Um, Because most anybody who wants to work with me, I always refer them to your materials to read because you do such an amazing job at breaking down how the concept works so that anybody can understand it. And the reality is in the last, um, and we keep track of every referral we get from our clients. And I can tell you in the last year and a half, we have over 400 referrals from our existing clients. And I'm sorry, we we do love and service, you know, our clients. But the reality is when I started my practice focusing on this concept, one of my requirements was that I only wanted happy clients. I didn't want clients who had lost money and I participated, right, in getting them set up Uh with something that would have them lose money. And having only happy clients sounds very Pollyannish when it comes to money. Absolutely. Right? But the reality is that clients don't lose money with this concept and they have control, liquidity, use, and control of their money. And when they read your materials and understand what it can do for them in the short term and in the long term for today, tomorrow, college, financing cars, retirement, death. Oh my gosh, Pamela, it makes so much sense. Right, right. I know. And it, it, predictability, um, tax advantages, it's, it's, you know, you know, uh, the retired Navy commander, Bob Chambers, who's oh, yes. a bank on yourself. He's a bank on yourselfer, and he talks about it as the Swiss Army knife of financial planning and financial strategies, and it really is. It just does it all. It does, and we have, fortunately, some brilliant clients like um, the the the, um, the gentleman you just mentioned, whose name I just forgot. The retired Navy commander Bob Chambers. Bob Chambers, that's him. He studied this concept for weeks and months. I have clients that are engineers and physicists and CPAs and just these brilliant people who I tell them, you know, when I talk to them, I know you're going to be smarter with the math than I am and I know what you're looking for and here's the information and we let them at it. And if right. they come in with an open mind, and many of them do because they realize that what they, they were doing is not working. They get it. Right. Yep, I know. Uh, and, and then they want to share it with people they care about, and that's, that's the reality of it. But, you know, when I, I did make one, like, one kind of, you know, half-stabbed half attempt at converting the, the Forbes uh, columnist into uh, an educated person, and I knew it was probably a waste of time, but I, I wasn't willing to totally give up on it. And I wrote, I just wrote her and I said, you know, this is not a new concept, and it's not even radical. 
and I met, and I linked her to an article on bankonyourself.com where we we talk about all the famous people who've used mm. the bank on yourself concept, the the, the cash values and their dividend paying whole life policies to finance things when no banker would lend them a dime. And some of those people, those are these are household names. We're talking about Walt Disney, mm-hmm. Ray Kroc from McDonald's, J.C. Penney, mm-hmm. the Pampered Chef. She ended up, she started the Pampered Chef with a $1,500 cash value loan from her dividend-paying whole life policy. And she ended up, not that long afterwards, she started in her living room, and she ended up, uh, not that many years later, selling it for, I think, $7 billion to <gasps> Warren Buffett. All started with a loan from a dividend-paying cash value life insurance policy. Foster's Farms, uh, make, they make the chicken and all, they do the chicken. Um, these, these are people that have used it for all of history. And the other thing that I, I sent her to an article, too, about the history of this, uh, this product and where I, I, in 1900, fully 50% of all American families had these plans. And I don't think it's any, I don't think many people would argue that our grandparents and great grandparents had more financial security than we, most people do today. And they, they use these plans for, to, to augment their pensions. They used it to become their own source of financing. Yes, even back then, they were borrowing from it to buy, pay, buy their cars instead of going to banks. They were, paying for college educations with it. They were doing all of those things with it. This is not radical. It's only radical because now to most people because Wall Street doesn't want you to know about it, and they do their best to divert your attention away from it and to think and to believe that you have to take on serious risk and you have to lay awake many, many nights in order to grow wealth, and it's a lie. It is a lie. And, and um, thankfully, we figured out, figured this stuff out early enough to, you know, make a difference in people's lives. And the amount of people that you have turned on and educated to this concept is phenomenal. You know that what you've done is unheard of in the financial services industry. And now you've come up with the financial IQ quiz, which is a fabulous tool for people to recognize whether they're financially literate or not. Right. And so how can our audience, our listeners, take that financial IQ quiz? Okay. Well, if they go to your website, which I believe is Living Wealthy Radio. Dot com? Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Living Wealthy Living Living Wealthy, Wealthy Radio. Radio mm-hmm. dot com. They will see a link that says Discover Your Financial IQ. Just click that link and it'll take you to the quiz. And it really only takes it takes less than ten minutes to take. Many people it takes five minutes. Um, and you will get the answers, the correct answers and explanations and support for each of the answers right away. And uh, I'm going to put this out there, and that is that your listeners are, I believe they're better educated financially than many people are because 
they've been listening to your radio show, which means that they're better educated about money and about how money really works. And I bet your listeners are going to do better than most people. And so I challenge your listeners to go to livingwealthyradio.com and click on that link that says discover your financial IQ and find out. And here's the truth. The reality is that you will be financially savvier than most people simply because you took the quiz. I think it's a fabulous resource. Thank you for making it available. Thank you for the work that you continue to do coming up with all these really cool ways that people can learn the truth so they can have financial peace. Yes, yes. And and I want to tell you how grateful I am that you're a bank on yourself authorized advisor and what a phenomenal job I know that you do for your clients and I see that all the time. Uh, you have you have clients that are such raving fans of yours, they never, ever stop bragging on you, and you deserve every, every single bit of it. You're really amazing, and anyone listening to this would be fortunate to have you as their Bank on Yourself Authorized Advisor. Thank you. That's, I, I really I appreciate that. We, we do work, my team does work very, very hard at um, serving and loving on our clients, and the bottom line is getting them informed. Once people are informed, if they have an open mind, um, they, they jump in, and thank God that you have the talent and the heart for doing this because it's not easy. It is. I, your job has not been an easy one. Those those arrows and those holes in your back. <clears throat> you um you you've taken the arrows for for all of us. I've taken the arrows and I just can't I can't quit. Uh, I will confess there there were times where it became <laughs> so painful that I very seriously considered uh, giving it up, but I just I couldn't. I just couldn't. Um, and so basically, you know, uh, I, I'm, I'm a fan. I, I hope that people listening to this, your listeners found some value in this. I hope they take the financial IQ quiz because they're good. It's going to, it's a real eye opener going to livingwealthyradio.com and click on that link that says discover your financial IQ. Yes, absolutely. You know, financial literacy isn't just nice to have. It's critical to have. And most American investors, Pamela, as, as, you, as we talked about today, lack that vital understanding about their retirement and investing strategies and tools. And they're, they're basically flying blind, hoping it will work out in the end. Well, you know, you shouldn't run that risk, right? You shouldn't run that risk. The hope and pray method of financial planning and retirement planning is not one that anyone needs to rely on. There are better alternatives. Maybe not as sexy or as not exciting. <laughs> but it works. It works very well. It works. Yes. Yep. So, Pamela, thank you so much for joining us today. And, again, um, you can go to listen, uh, livingwealthyradio.com and click on the link, discover your financial IQ and take the, take the quiz and find out how literate you are and uh, learn some good stuff. Thank you again Great. for joining Living Wealthy Radio today, Pamela. Always, always appreciate you and, and God bless you and what you're doing. 
Thank you, Teresa. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. Download or subscribe to our podcast to hear a new show every week. I am Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com.